All right, let's do this. Episode one of The Rant. I'm Liam Archer. I'm Nick Zarikos. Today on the docket, first up, we got the Purdue-Miami basketball game, Purdue basketball season in general, and uh, some thoughts on Purdue football now that that's winding down as well. Yeah, so really quick before we like get uh, super deep into it, um, we're going to be talking about Purdue a lot on this, sh- on this show. Um, but we're also going to be talking about other, you know, kind of just broad sweeping sports news around the country, around the world, you know, what's happening. Uh, but yeah, today we're going to start talking about the Purdue Miami game last night and kind of the season so far, five games, five games into it. Uh, it's, I mean, obviously a weird season because of COVID and everything, but I mean, the games so far have gone off cleanly and, um, not the best start uh i i think a lot of purdue fans myself included were expecting a little bit more of a cleaner start to the season of course they lost last night in um in a pretty rough fashion yeah i mean obviously when you're you're up 18 at at halftime that is that is not a game you're no. looking at and thinking yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna come away with this i mean yeah first things first that's just that's not acceptable right i think as an adopted Purdue fan, and, and every Purdue fan should be pretty pretty upset about that. But, you know, going beyond that, we really got to look at, like, the reasons behind it. Like, obviously, like, all disclaimers apply. It's a young team. Like, it's a new team. Like, we're not trying yeah. to, like, bash any kids. Of course. But at the same time, we got to hold people accountable when stuff is just not up to what oh, we know that they can do. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, coming into the season, I knew there's so many new faces. And after last season, it seemed kind of like, there was a bit of a not a scrap, but like it was like, all right, we're gonna start start fresh. We're gonna reset expectations a little bit. We've got all these new guys coming in. Uh, like the expectations for this year, I think were a lot lower because people knew that it is young. It is a young team, right? And they're gonna have games like this. But at the same time, there's still a little bit of an expectation that it's like if you are leading. I mean, again, they were leading that game by 18 at half. Right. If you are leading, you know, you keep going forward. Right. You don't regress to such a degree in the second half. So that's the part that's kind of disappointing about it, because, like, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like Miami's not, not Miami's not a great team. Right. You know, like Clemson, that was an acceptable loss. Like we turned the ball over a ton in that game, I think, 20 times. But like, you know, you can live with that because Clemson, I think they beat like three top 25 teams last year. They're like, they're pretty uh, they're pretty upperclassmen team. Uh, and it was like, or it was an early season loss, which this is as well. But, you know, it just, it stings a little, just a little bit more. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also that this isn't like an NBA game where like an 18 point lead, it's like, well, with mm-hmm. the with the shooting abilities of guys in the NBA, like an 18 point lead can fall away in five minutes. Yeah. But I mean, in, in college, especially like it's, you know, it, it, an 18 point lead in a game where neither team scored 60 is... I mean, that's the closest thing to a sure bet you're going to get, right? I Absolutely, mean, yeah. Short of going on a 40-0 run like <laughs> Ohio did, but that's, I mean, that's the next closest thing you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, and that obviously is not, you don't, you can't bank on that. That's just, that just doesn't happen. Um, I mean, it's it's just unfortunate. I mean, the Purdue falls to 0-2 against the ACC already this season, which is like, you know, just from like a pride standpoint, you know, that, that hurts as a Big Ten, Big Ten fan. Um Especially I mean, because the Big Ten was looking good this year. Oh yeah, I mean the Big Ten's. I I would argue the Big Ten's deepest team, 
deepest conference in the country. I mean, like, I think the ACC looks, you know, as a whole, kind of weak this year. I mean, just like, you don't, you look at Duke and you look at UNC, the usual, like, top tier ACC teams, and like, nothing really jumps out at you, like, just from like yeah. the makeup of their team is at this point. I mean, Virginia, I think we'll have a really big bounce back here, but, you know, it was a, it was a prime opportunity to beat, you know, a power five non-conference team, regardless of whether it was Miami or not. So, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. I'm not going to like harp on it too much right now, but this could be, you know, at the end of the season, if Purdue gets through, you know, relatively unscathed when it comes to COVID, if like, if Purdue's a bubble team, like this is a, this is a game that they're going to want back, you know, especially in the fashion, in which they lost it. I mean, 40, to 19 run in the second half Miami held us to and a lot of that was foul trouble you know you know sometimes I think college refereeing is just a little ridiculous when it comes to big men you know they just they call fouls sometimes just because the guy is big which you know bothers me but it is what it is and uh but I mean you gotta find a way to score more than 19 points in the second half I mean you just gotta Speaking of, of of big men, because I think that's the mm-hmm. I always want to start in a positive, and that's the first like true bright spot for Purdue. I mean, yeah, Zach Eady is just it's it's finally like it's really refreshing to have a seven footer who does what seven footers are supposed to do. It's oh, yeah. like you know, especially considering like years past, like mm-hmm. we have a seven footer. I mean, this guy's shooting over seventy percent from the floor. Dude's drawing fouls and he's hitting his free throws, which. If you're not a stretch five, like the least you can do is like get fouls and hit your free throws. And he's oh, yeah. doing that. Like he's mm-hmm. rebounding at a great rate. Finally, like, you know, we have a guy who has a big body and is not afraid to, you know, really just use it and just lay a beating on some kids, which is I think something that Purdue has really been missing the last oh, couple of seasons. Yeah. Just like I mean, a big body down low. I mean, yeah, like look at look at Isaac Haas just a few years ago, right? The first like I mean, you could go back to AJ Hammond, but just for recency's sake, I won't do that. But like Isaac Haas, right? You know, good post move, could hit free throws but like wasn't a very good rebounder, right? Which is shocking for a guy at seven foot. It's just because he wasn't like, he couldn't jump very, very high. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't get like that advantage despite being seven foot. Matt Harms was significantly smaller, like in, in a weight category than Isaac Haas. So he couldn't just bang guys around down there. So he didn't really have the post moves. He could shoot a little from the outside, but like he wasn't really rebounding. And like, he was an okay inside score. But now like Edie, you can see already, like despite the fact that he's a freshman, He's a little bit, you know, thicker in a way than Ben Harms. And he obviously he's taller, but he also just like from the eye test, like he looks like he's he's willing to go get boards and like rebound. And it's it's really nice to see. I mean, I think he's leading the team in scoring thus far, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. On a per 40 basis, for sure. I mean, for sure on a per 40 he, basis. He's been a nice refreshment. And like. I wouldn't say Travion. I mean, Travion comes into uh, into the team as like he's the guy for this Purdue team, right? I mean, he's he's the returning player that has the most offensive uh, capability, I'd say, at least what we've seen. And like, I mean, not to say he's been kind of disappointing to start, but I think he's off to a slower start than a lot of people thought. I mean, he's only averaging ten points a game, um, which like will t- you'll take. I mean, ten and eleven, which is what he's averaging right now for a big man obviously you'll take but i mean last year he averaged 11 points per game as a sophomore freshman year he averaged five points a game so like you could see each year was kind of a step up and again it's early so i expect that to change but you would like to see him maybe take a bigger stride become more consistently like you know a 17 18 point per game score 
I, I think the thing that impresses me the most about about Edie is he's not getting a lot of burn. Obviously, there are conditioning issues there, and obviously, you don't want to run like a seven foot three guy up and down the court, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. much, especially at that age. But for me, it's like when that dude's in the game, like we gotta force feed him the ball because I don't know how many, except for when you're playing like Iowa, maybe like how many other like mm-hmm. you know NBA size big men are you gonna play in a season, right? Like okay, yeah, Luca Garza's the only one, but again. When he's getting fouled, he's hitting his free throws. He's hitting his field goals at, like, a very good, good rate. And, I mean, just, just force-feed him the ball. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And it's it's going to draw people away from him, and that's going to, you know, open up the, the space on the outside for some of the shooters that we have as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would agree with that. I mean, that's kind of like my, I've always felt that way about college. It's like, especially, like I just said, college referees are so prone to calling fouls on bigs. More often than not, because they're just bigger than the guy they're guarding, you know, not necessarily having like a strong case for a foul call. Like bigs in college basketball are so valuable in that sense that like if you just force feed them the ball over time, they're gonna get the guy that's guarding them in foul trouble just just by the nature of the way that the sport is called in college. And I mean, Edie, obviously, like you said, Travion's so skilled offensively that I mean the opportunity for him to get fouled, get sent to the line is is so huge. And um I mean I'd love to see the game plan flip to to that more often because because what you see a lot of right now, especially that because Eric Hunter Jr. was out the first four games, he did play last night, not a ton, but he did play. Um, you have Isaiah Thompson with, uh, who's bringing the ball up, and while he's he's a good offensive player, I see I feel like he's more off ball because he's a shooter and he's not as big, right? That you, there's a lot of like you know we pass it around the top of the key. And then, kind of last second, throw it into the post. Like, I, I, I just feel like there, there needs to be some change, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that it's it's not unreasonable. Let's say Purdue's going to average, just to throw a number out there. Let's say we want to average 60, 65 points a game, something mm-hmm. in between that. It's not unreasonable to expect, I mean, your two bigs to be getting, you know, close to half of that. I understand that, like, that's not going to make the analytics nerds, you know, and the NBA analytics nerds out there happy. And, you know, I'm in that camp as well. But the fact of the matter is this isn't the NBA. Mm. This is college. And in the NBA, yes, every roster has two to three seven-footers who, like, know what they're doing. Yeah. This is college. Like, how (laughs) many skilled – there's just so many more teams to spread around the talent. And, like, how many teams really even have one dominant seven-footer who has skill? Like, you see guys in college who they're – playing at a division one level just because they're seven feet tall that doesn't mean they have any idea what they're doing oh yeah yeah and even the ones the, the teams that do have it they might have one guy and again that guy can play what 20 25 minutes a night max mm-hmm. like you know unless you're luca garza and there's one of him in the country so at that point you got to abuse the advantage that you have yeah of course of course and 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 you mentioned if you you're scoring about 65 points a game you, you want that coming from your bigs i mean purdue a, a nice positive spot is that last year they averaged, I think it was like 68.2 points per game, right? Which was their lowest in about eight eight seasons. Uh, you know, I think everyone knew last year's offensive output was, was not great. Uh, this year, I mean, it's only been five games. Again, obviously, it's kind of like take it with a grain of salt. But, I mean, already averaging over 70 points per game. So, an improvement, you know. 
and it's early so you have to imagine that would go up and, and you like to see that and like we haven't seen really a full purdue team at this point i mean we had the first game with Jaden ivy and he looks great and that's honestly the guard that purdue's been missing just in the last four games is that like change of pace speedy athletic fast twitch like scoring guard right that's what they've kind of been missing they miss it for sure in the clemson game when they were getting pressed the whole time and i mean it's always nice to have a guy off the bench that is confident in his scoring ability but also like has the physical attributes to allow him to do that so i mean i don't know what the timetable is for him coming back um but hopefully soon uh because i think him coming back and now that eric hunter he played in the miami game last night um him coming back and hopefully expanding his role back to what it was, the starting point guard. Hopefully we'll start to see the like full Purdue team soon. And that's, you know, we're going to need it because we start conference play and in a week, I mean, Ohio yeah. state ranked 22 in in a week next Wednesday. So, I mean, it, it's the Purdue team, unfortunately, they're going to have to do a lot of maturing quickly if they, if, you know, if they want to be con- competitors in you know the top end of the big 10 this year i mean the big 10's loaded speaking of other of other players that really need to get uh, force fed a little bit more let me guess. um let me guess. sasha stefanovic is is only taking 5.8 threes a game compare that to ryan klein taking 7.4 his last season at purdue and carson that same season taking 10.6 mm. both of them hitting at a lower rate than sasha is um and you know you you look at it he is the most polished three-point shooter on the team. Oh, I think nobody yeah. can argue that, I right? Mean, He's hitting over 50% this season. Obviously, that's not sustainable. But even if he goes and finishes somewhere around 45, like, you want that guy taking 10 threes a night. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah, no, Especially I... Especially because there's nobody else who's doing that. I so. completely agree. I mean, last night didn't shoot very well, obviously. But, like, like every shooter. I mean, you go back two years ago with Ryan Klein. Was it two years ago? I'm yeah. kind of blanking right now. Yeah, two but years ago. two years ago with Ryan Klein. Everybody knows he had that run at the beginning of the season where he could not hit anything, anything. But guess what? He kept shooting threes, and that's kind of like the shooter's mantra is you just keep shooting, right? Like, you don't let it bother you. And by the end of the season, obviously, we all know what happens against Tennessee and whatnot in the tournament. He goes off, and he's, I mean, the hottest three-point shooter arguably in the country. So, like, that's the thing with Sasha is, like, I mean, I obviously don't expect him to stop, stop shooting threes. Like, that is his role on the team is, like, He's the guy to go to if you need a three. I mean, everybody knows that. And he is shooting better than he was last year. Last year, he, I mean, he's still around 40%. But, I mean, I expect him to dip. Obviously, five, 50% is pretty absurd to sustain. But, like, I mean, if he can if he can hover around that 40 41%, I mean, I think we'll be in a pretty good spot just from that sense. Yeah, on and increased l- volume as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I, I mean... Again, with this team this year, there's so many new faces that it's like you don't really know who are the mouths that need to be feared. Obviously, we know Travion. We know Sasha. I mean, Eric Hunter, I think, is going to have an even more expanded role than he had last year. I mean, he was he was probably around 10, 12 points a game last year, if I had to guess. I mean, I expect it to be around that once he's back healthy. But then you got new guys like Jaden Ivey. Ethan Morton's not really be, being a scorer right now, which, again, I don't really expect him to in his first season because he is such a good passer. But then you got Isaiah Thompson's going to have a bigger role, right? I mean, you've got all these different people that have a different, like, it's a different combination of people that you need to figure out who 
is going to get fed the most. Another person that we don't really know about who I think is the next person you're going to talk about is Aaron Wheeler. I mean, do Yeah, we got some we got some opinions about that. I, well, it's just like, I mean, at what point do we say, okay, Aaron Wheeler isn't as much of a scoring option as we thought he was. Maybe he's more of a rebounder and defensive presence than an offensive player because that freshman year he had, I mean, he came off the bench, he was a great shooter, and he he was consistent, right? And we were thinking, this is going to be great when he moves into a starting role. Of course, last year, when he started starting, uh, obviously didn't go as well. I mean, he averaged, I mean, four points a game, I think. It was it was single yeah. digits, and, and it was a rough shooting it's season. Good minutes, too. Yeah, it was, it was a rough shooting season, we all know that. And I think a lot of people were like, all right, sophomore slump, get out of your system, come back and you know improve now he's averaging about five points in the five games this season uh which is is the same mark as his freshman season but he's doing it in double the minutes so you if you're matt painter you have to start seeing something from aaron wheeler otherwise you know he's he's not going to get the ball as much i got some numbers for you to ponder (laughs) here he's never been over 45 percent from the floor really since never since his freshman season, he's never been over 22% from three-point. Okay. He's never averaged one free-throw attempt per game, which for a guy who's that athletic and 6'9", is a little bit iffy. Yeah. You'd think you'd at least be getting the line. And the thing is, like, he kind of hits his free-throws, but, mm-hmm. like, if you're shooting less than one a game, like, what the hell is that sample Yeah, size, right? absolutely. He, his per 40, yeah, as you talked about it, is just, just not good. Like, it's just not good. The well, performance is it's, awful. It's so frustrating because, like, his, his role on that team is so well carved out, right? Like, he's got a perfect opportunity to be, like, that guy that, that can guard the four but also can, like, step out and shoot the three. And he's obviously super athletic, right? So it's, it's just, like, it's frustrating from that standpoint because it's like, oh, my gosh, if that guy could just get going a little bit. If he shot 35% from three... I mean, we're talking about Aaron Wheeler as a potential like Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. I really think so because he is he's he's good defensively. He's a great shot blocker. He's got hops. He can rebound. Like he he is a he's a great college basketball player if he can shoot the three. But that's been his biggest issue, and I think he's a little gun shy now. Uh, you know, when he gets the ball in his hands, like he doesn't he doesn't have that kind of automatic release like he had the freshman year because I think he got in a rhythm that first year. But um, I mean, again, he. He's a player that if Purdue is going to be good, Aaron Wheeler has to step his game up. I mean, that's just the way it is. I, I think it's it's also like somebody has to tell him like, hey man, if you're not, you know, hitting from three, like you're still six nine with bounce. Like, take the and, and the thing is, he doesn't he doesn't everything else about him is great. Yeah. He rebounds really well. He doesn't foul. He doesn't turn it over. So it's like clearly your handle is good, right? Like we talked mm-hmm. about like no gel last year. The handle was just all over the map. Mm-hmm. But like. Aaron Wheeler, like, his handle is decent, especially for a guy that size. It's like, at some point, like, take the ball to the rack and dunk on somebody. Like, and, and worst case, you get fouled. I mean, again, yeah, and the thing the is, line. like, that's what, what really concerns me isn't the, the three-point shooting as much because it's, again, like, hey, you're 6'9", like, you can figure that out if and when you make it to that next level, you know. But not averaging a free-throw attempt per game is, like, for a dude who's that bouncy at 6'9", and who has a tight handle, like, at some point, like, you want him to, to put it on it's, the floor a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like either either the guy who's, who's coming out and guarding you is 6'6", six, six, in which case just go and beat his ass, or it's going to be like a center, and it's like that guy just can't step with you. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're such a walking mismatch, especially at the collegiate level. And it's like it's it's so frustrating because like I think I, it, it's kind of like 
it's almost like like we call it like 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 Markel Fultz syndrome, where it's like you watch Markel Fultz like highlights and you're like, man, this guy is just an animal. Yeah. And then like you look at his numbers and you watch him play and you're like, this dude just can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's because he's so athletic and because like we see these like highlight plays every once in a while that we're like, yeah, man, this guy is just great. And and the, and you know everybody tells me how great he is and the numbers just don't back it up and it's just frustrating. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, again, it's still so early in the season that like. A lot of this you have to take with a grain of salt because, I mean, we're five games in and there's still plenty of time left in the season for it to turn around. Also, I mean, teams can get can get hot out of nowhere in the, in the Big Ten, but also just in college basketball in general. So, like, again, you imagine this will turn around. Yeah. Purdue, the average years year of years of experience on this Purdue team is, is 1.0. So, I mean, literally, this team is about as young as it gets. And, uh, I mean, again, the expectations are low you have to expect uh, some of these games to happen over the course of the year where it's just kind of you got to learn uh and that's just the way it goes i mean they play indiana state next on saturday um i mean again hopefully that should maybe be a winnable a, game yeah yeah very winnable game you hope that maybe a i don't want to say a lesser opponent because indiana state's obviously competitive in their own in their own conference but you know a team not necessarily in the fire five you hope that maybe that can yeah. boost their confidence a little bit. And, and I think that, I mean, obviously, you know, it is a little bit of a weird season because you would expect to lean back on that, you know, home court advantage when they do get it of in course. conference play. Of course. Uh, of course, that's going to be, you know, lessened. But I think when Eric Hunter comes back, and I think Purdue has the potential to be a great press-breaking team if the if the guards can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, the key to breaking a, a, a press in, in any sport, really, is you have to get past that first line because then you're mm-hmm. always numbers up, oh, right? Yeah. And so if you have that one ball handler who can just break that first line of the press, you know, then that's pretty much, you know, that's... Yeah. That, that's well, when you watch pressing teams like VCU, like when they get destroyed and beat by 40, it's because the other team has that one guard that can break the press. Oh, of course. And, and the thing is, when... This when this Purdue team is back at you know full strength when everybody's healthy when everybody's ready to play. I mean, if you just look at the guards alone, the ball handlers, you've got Eric Hunter, you've got Jaden Ivey, you've got Isaiah Thompson, you've got Ethan Morton, right? Those are four individually very different players. Isaiah Thompson probably won't be the ball handler if I had to guess when all four are healthy and ready to go, but he's off ball, he's a shooter, right? I mean, that's what Purdue needs. Eric Hunter is is more of like that he obviously is the veteran but he's more of that like conservative good handle great defender he's not looking to score but he can when he needs to or when the team needs to and he's got more of like a mid-range game but he can shoot to three obviously we know that Jaden Ivey completely different change of pace athletic fast drives to the hoop can shoot and then you've got Ethan Morton who's as Matt Painter said, you know, best passer he's ever recruited, so it speaks for itself. And, I mean, he's already had a six-assist six game this season, and he's played five career college games. So, I mean, you see... And not a ton of minutes. Yeah, exactly. You you see you see what you have in, like, small sample sizes. So, I think, again, as the season goes on, it'll come together. It'll be, you know, a little bit... Not a little bit. A lot of bit more effective in terms of, you know, when teams press, but also just the overall play of the team. Yeah. And I mean, looking forward, you know, if the recruiting continues on this upward trend, I mean, as a super young team, you're always looking forward to like, what are the next couple of years bringing in? And mm-hmm. the recruiting has been looking good, you know, the last couple of seasons and looking forward to the next couple of seasons. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely again, on an upper trend. Yeah, it's a, a you can't look at the record and you know say, oh my gosh, what's happening with Purdue basketball? Like you got you look at the record and and you have to remember that the team is young and that the next two years look incredibly bright. And I mean, you have to imagine that that will continue. So I mean. I mean compare and contrast to last season like you looked at the last season team and you were just like man i think we are getting everything we can out of this team and it's just not enough Mm. just personnel wise yeah you're looking at this team and you're like man like i actually see some people that really like know what's happening you know yeah exactly i'd rather have talent that makes mistakes than just less talent yeah no i i mean i completely agree with you that's a great way of putting it but uh yeah again saturday indiana state i mean looking for winnable yeah, you're looking for a, a bounce back game, kind of just to show that they're not down on themselves this early in the season. You know what I mean? Like that's uh, that is uh, and that that game will be happening on Saturday. Unlike, I mean, well, we don't know for sure, but we don't know if the Indiana Purdue football game changing changing subjects really quick. We don't know. Uh, oh, just kidding. I uh, I just looked it up um, about 30 minutes ago. Purdue and Indiana have canceled the bucket game uh, this Saturday. So, I mean, if you're a Purdue fan, it's probably good news. If yeah, you're an IU probably, fan, yeah. <laughs> if you're an IU fan, you're probably a little say, bummed about save that. Yourself a beating. Uh, but I mean, let's just talk about Purdue football really quick. I mean, uh, where to begin? I mean, I mean. Listen, I'm I'm not gonna use COVID as as the excuse. I mean, it was a weird season, has. but but yeah, if like everybody had to deal with that season, you you kind of if you're a Purdue fan like myself, you probably had some expectations this season, even you know, even with COVID, the complications with it and whatnot. I, I mean, you had to look at the schedule that the Purdue had, and you had to think this is this is a very uh, I would I would say this is a very friendly schedule. I mean, you look at the 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 best teams that we we had initially: Iowa, Wisconsin, IU. Other than that, I would say the rest of the You're games the big Purdue should have won. And I mean, they're going to finish now two and four on the season. They only played six of the eight scheduled games, and um, and they didn't even play Wisconsin and, and now Indiana. So I mean, you you have to look at this team and think. Uh, what happened? Yeah, and I think it's 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 a little bit disappointing now because I don't know if it's a, if it's a personnel issue because the last few recruiting classes, you know, we've been fifth, we've been seventh in the Big Ten. I mean, can you really look at yourself in the mirror and say that we're the fifth or seventh best team in the Big Ten? Like, I can't look in the mirror and oh, say no. that. Oh no, I, 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 mean? I like, can I can say definitively we we aren't. Yeah, I mean, again, this exactly. season it was so. So strange because I mean, obviously Rondale missed the first couple games, but Rondale's not the whole team, right? And we had good pieces in place even without Rondale. I mean, the offense without Rondale still looked pretty good. The defense last year obviously wasn't very good, but you had to. I mean, I thought going in, you know, we played so many young players, freshmen and sophomores last year that this the step forward would the step forward for the defense would be pretty natural, right? Like there would be some improvement and there just really wasn't. And the offense was inconsistent. You know, they'd have a stretch of a quarter where they looked great. And then they, then they'd go cold for a quarter. And, and it's just, it was, it was so weird to see. I mean, that sometimes the play calling was strange, just seemed kind of vanilla and boring. 
And that's so, you know, it's so uncharacteristic because if you think back to Brahms' first first season and in, in his second season uh, to a degree, I mean, obviously we all know about the trick plays. We know about the, you know, creativity that was used in the play calling. And that's kind of what made Purdue successful those first two years where, you know, we won a couple games. We made the bowl games, obviously. And the last two seasons with better personnel, we've kind of gone away from that. I mean, it just doesn't feel like the same program. And it's uh, it's kind of a bummer to see because some of the excitement's gone and you can tell that the the coaching has, has changed a little bit. And that, to me, is what's a little disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, we say better personnel, we got to, you know, put that into context a little bit. Of course. We mean better personnel compared to what Purdue was used to getting in the years prior. Of course, yeah. And I think that I'm not trying to like, you know, insinuate on behalf of the coaching staff, but I mean, if they think that because they're getting, you know, four, four stars a year instead of two, that that all of a sudden means, hey, we don't have to coach because we're Ohio State and our, you know, our personnel can just take care of itself. Like, that's not the case. Like, I, yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't want to assume that's what's happening, but I'm just saying like, it just seems as though the identity of the program the first two years in Abram was like, listen, we, we're going to throw all caution to the wind. You know, we got nothing to lose. We'll, we'll be creative. And that's you see that in teams now. You see that in, like, Rutgers. You see that, you know, across the Big Ten with, with teams that, you know, in the past, in the recent past at least, have been struggling. And they're doing it. And it's worked out, you know, to a degree this year. I mean, obviously, Rutgers beat Purdue. I mean, Nebraska beat Purdue. Uh, so you kind of wonder why, like, if that's the identity, why go away from it? You know, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. Obviously the season is, uh, is going to be a tough one to swallow. Losing Rondale to the draft is going to be a tough one to swallow. But like, I mean, the, the next year's team will not change a whole lot. Right. And again, like I said, Rondale, as great as he is, is not the whole team. So, you know, there's no reason to, uh, you know, panic and say the sky is falling, but I mean, you have to expect more next year. I mean, next year is is a huge year for Brom. I mean, he got paid, and unfortunately, the re- the results have not have not matched that to this point. Yeah. And and speaking of Rondell, actually, like that's probably the one position group where you can afford to lose a guy like that, like mm, skill position on absolutely. offense. You guys are looking pretty good, you know. I mean, I think the real issue, if we're talking just positional groups, like the secondary just looks rough. I mean, the defense, you could point to a lot of places across the defense. Obviously, George Kaloftis missing a bunch of games in the shortened season hurts massively. Uh, I mean, the defense as a whole just, I mean, was not what I think a lot of people thought it would be. And unfortunately, they didn't make that stride forward. So, I mean, again, you got to hope next year something happens that where there's a little bit more uh you know execution and and uh yeah. yeah i mean again it's a it's a weird place to be it's definitely a disappointing season and i mean with the game this weekend being canceled obviously it's disappointing but i mean almost a blessing in disguise because indiana i mean indiana i would say is the second best team in the big 10 behind ohio state i mean without question yeah it's defensible i mean as much as it hurts us to say that, it's, yeah. it's defensible. Yeah, like, I mean, they've looked great. and uh, again, Yeah, they're, they're just playing good football. And uh, so, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's uh, it's going to be a long off season, And hopefully, you know, if, if things can return to normal, maybe, you know, training 
training camp starts earlier or whatnot. I, I, there's a whole bunch of different things that I, I'm not even going to get into right now, but you have to hope that something something significant happens over the offseason where this Purdue team kind of starts to click a little bit because yeah. th- there's still just that every play is kind of uh, a little a little tentative. You know what I mean? You know, and you I mean, wanna... obviously, there's a there's a quarterback battle that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and the, a whole bunch of positional battles that are going to yeah, happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting, actually. Updated on. Really quick, last thing, I guess, before we wrap this up, is is the quarterback position is is a weird spot for Purdue right now. Because you have you have Aiden O'Connell, who, I mean, personally, I, personally, between Aiden O'Connell and Jake, uh, sorry, not Jake Plummer, Jack Plummer, um... I would take Jack Plummer. I just think the upside there is is just slightly higher. I mean, with Plummer, he's got the athleticism that Aiden O'Connell doesn't. And to me, that's basically the difference. I mean, O'Connell, unfortunately, if if he gets pressured, there's not really a lot that he does to avoid, you know, getting sacked or whatnot. Whereas Plummer, you'd like the ability, the fact that he can run. But the thing is, next year, I mean, Plummer had a great first game, but then each game the rest of the season, he kind of took a step backward. So you don't love that. Uh, but we didn't see Austin Burton, the transfer from UCLA. So there's still a question mark about him. But then you have Michael Lamo, who is obviously going to redshirt this season, didn't play. I mean, he was a four-star coming in. And if you're Jeff Brom, next year, you know, you have – a ton of expectation now in your, I guess, I think fifth season already. Fourth or fifth season, I, I can't remember at the, at the, off the top of my head. But you have all this pressure now because you've had kind of two really dud seasons after getting paid. Do you say, I'm starting a veteran transfer from UCLA, Austin Burton? Do I stick with Jack Plummer and give him a third shot? Or do you say, you know what, let's just go all in. We'll start. We'll, we'll play a lame you know, I I just don't know where that's going to go. That, that's like a huge question mark now. The, the other, you know, going a little bit more layers into that is like you got to think a guy like Michael Lema who had, you know, a lot of offers coming out of high school. Of course. Purdue was, you know, some would say lucky to get him, uh, a guy of that caliber. If, if he's not starting, you know, this is a guy who has aspirations at the next level. Like th- this guy's going to transfer. Well, yeah, and you have to look at the guy even after him. I mean, Purdue this year. Yeah, yeah, Purdue just got a a four star uh, Brady Allen uh, quarterback. I mean, he's a four star as well. He's coming in. He's class twenty twenty two. So I mean, you have to look if you're Michael Lamo and you think, hmm, I have like this really short window here. Do I transfer? There's so many, so many factors now that that just make it very complicated. And it's and it's it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. And I'm nervously uh nervously you awaiting have a bunch of quarterbacks what you happens? have no quarterback as the saying goes uh, yeah yeah there you go can't, you can't really sum it up better than that so i mean kind of a very uh just unsettling ending to the football season if you're a purdue fan i mean there's just a lot of question marks and kind of uncertainties and it's like okay where do we go from here so you gotta hope you know next year's better but anyway we'll uh we will wrap it up there we'll uh we'll be back shortly uh this week uh we'll, we'll be talking about some stuff going on just kind of in the professional sports world um we'll probably talk about you know the uh nfl nfl draft and college football playoffs now that that's coming up 
shortly, which is hard yeah. to believe. But, you know, we'll get into some, all that. and um, Some NFL drafts, some uh, college football playoffs, some other news from the college football landscape, co- coaching changes, as well as some uh, NBA free agency. It's uh, all coming up real quick. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll sign off and uh, have, have a good one.